Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Today is just one of those perks of the job that we absolutely love. The venue is incredible. 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine and the site of the watch party tonight for the national championship. Carolina and Kansas for the chance to be crowned national champions. We'll have it outside here in the beer garden where we're broadcasting live and also indoors as well as things have cleared up weather-wise here in the mid-state of Tennessee. And it should be a fantastic evening for college basketball wherever you're taking in the game tonight. Uh, full preview coming up. We'll give you our picks against the spread and much more. That's coming up in 20 minutes. Guys, some headlines. We continue Tiger Watch. He's in a practice round right now at Augusta National, trending towards playing. I don't know how else you you read into what's going on uh, with what Tiger's trying to accomplish and the storyline and the magnitude of coming back from, from the injury and the crash that he had. We have a big trade, though, in the NFL. The Eagles trading away. Uh, a, one big first-round pick. It's two, but they get a pick in return from New Orleans. Uh, it's really so, weird number-wise. Yeah, too. so they, the, the Eagles, as of an hour and a half ago, had three first-round picks. They still remain with two first-round picks. The Saints have picked up a first-round pick as well, and both of their both franchises have both picks sandwiched together within a span of about six or seven selections. Yeah. Eagles have 15 and 18. The Saints have 16 and 19. <laughs> so if they have any common interest, it's really going to be weird. <laughs> yeah, so, so here we go with the first big draft day trade, um, which is how things started. I, I, I want, Maybe it was a little bit earlier last year, maybe not, when San Francisco traded up to three I think it was early. in order to grab Trey Lance, and we were determining then, is it going to be Trey Lance? Is it going to be Well, the uh, first Jones? one was Matt Jones. Mac Jones. Mac Jones, Trey Lance. Who, who is the selection going to be for Shanahan? This doesn't have that same feel because of where, where they're now selecting, which is you know middle of the first round. But based on where these quarterbacks tend to rank – you can either package two first-rounders together and move up some spots in order to make a selection on a quarterback you want to chase. There's always going to be a team that chases a QB. Or you sit tight. You can select a QB there. Uh, there will be some, several guys available. You can also get um, uh, a solid offensive tackle if you're trying to regroup on the defensive line. There's a chock full of pass rush. Corners are available in this draft. Um, the, the Saints, though, by making this pick, to me, are looking for the right scenario to draft a quarterback. I don't know unless, why you make this move this early unless you're trying to position yourself for options there. And the spot to me there then, I, I, the consensus seems to be Detroit is not making a quarterback move. And they want to trade it. And so, But the spot you need to get to then is five with the Jets because the first legitimate yeah. quarterback team after that, you've got Jacksonville that's taken care of, Detroit that seems that they're not going to make a move, Houston that's sticking with Mills by all indications, the Jets who drafted one last year, and the Giants who have made a commitment 
to stick with with their guy and give him some stability. Carolina is the first likely team to take a quarterback at six. So if you want the first choice of quarterbacks, you want to deal with the Giants at five, who I'm sure would be happy to get out of there, keeping Daniel Jones and turning five into something more. If we treat, see a trade-up for somebody who wants the first quarterback, I think it would be to five. Boys, this talk is music to my ears. I never, thought, real... I never thought that we would get to April and I'd be sitting Before. here saying, when are we going to talk NFL draft? And we're still not talking people. We're talking picks. Oh, and I get, look, we're going to talk national championship game tomorrow a lot too, but I am ready to talk actual NFL draft, and we now get to start yeah. doing that because this big trade between the Saints and the Eagles, it's amazing how this news cycle has worked because of all the blockbuster trades across the NFL and the lack of quarterbacks in the first round or big-name quarterbacks that we're discussing. But I sit here on April 4th, and I'm actually thinking, man, what a breath of fresh air to hear this draft talk and draft analysis about team needs, about players that are going to go in the first round, about teams moving up or down strategically to try to get who they want. I love it, and I can't wait to talk more about it. So perspective from both angles here on why you make this deal. Let's start with Philly. Philly had three first-rounders. What they've done by making this trade is they've turned three first-rounders into four because they now have two first-round picks this year. And in exchange for this trade, they also have picked up a first-round pick next year from New Orleans. So that's number one. They now have two drafts with multiple picks in the first round. And next year is much more quarterback-heavy for the first round if you're looking to make a move there, if you have to. Although you want to be high in the, in the first round in order to make that selection – if you're going C.J. Stroud, if you're going with Bryce Young or someone else that makes a move over the next 12 months. So that's that's first uh, first thing for me is from Philly's angle, they now have four first-round picks over the next two drafts. From New Orleans' angle, quarterback aside, this is where we say if you continue to kick the can down the road, salary cap-wise, you eventually have to go young and cheap. And this year they now have two first-round picks, and I believe their, their third pick in the draft is a top 50 selection, 48 or 49th overall. So they now have three 49. They now have three top 50 picks that will be extremely cheap against the salary cap, and that should be starters. I mean, not every team drafts that way. These guys should be starters because the mentality is going to be they've got to get young and they've got to get cheaper than the veterans that they've collected on their roster – that or, or, or young guys who are about to have big paydays moving forward or bonuses start to kick in or you want to replace a veteran guy. You want to trade an Alvin Kamara. I'm not, not endorsing that. I'm just saying trends around the league. You trade the, the non-quarterback to get picks in return and replace them with young and expensive compared to the top veteran talent. That's what they've set themselves up for now is they can now draft for next year and for the future. Even if they don't have their quarterback of the future, if they don't have their head coach of the future, they're not going to announce that. But they've set themselves up to where they can draft and get considerably under the cap and stay that way for four or five years. How about this? They, they not only have three in the top uh, 50 with 49, they've also got 98 and 101. So they've got five in yeah. the top 101. That, that's a pretty good haul along the lines of what you're saying. You get young. Uh, if you have a good draft, You've gotten a bunch of guys on rookie contracts to help uh, 
you know, spread out your roster and kind of change the accounting table. A, also, a picks though, uh, Paul, that that you would want to package together if you're moving up to five. Yes. like you're saying. Yeah. Which you, you need that you need that draft capital, that collateral to to make the move, the currency. And unlike the Eagles, if you're doing it to go up and get a quarterback, you've got to do it now because you just gave away next year's that, first. So you're not in position to do it later, like the Eagles are now in position to do it later. Right. You've got to do it now. Yeah. So you make the trade with the Eagles now, in order to package what you're doing to move up. If you're in competition with an Atlanta who's drafting eight, Carolina, two teams Carolina in your, in your division. So you want to get ahead of them and draft the quarterback that you want. Um, the Saints are now in position to do that as well. But again, by doing that, you're still getting, relative to the cap, an inexpensive franchise quarterback, and you put veterans around that guy and try to cash in on the rookie deal. The idea there would be what the Chargers are doing with Justin Herbert this offseason. Got Michael Thomas coming back. Yeah, you, you had to wait until year three. He's going into year three. They know he's the guy. The payday is, is not allowed to happen yet. So you, you go big with the in, in, with the Chargers. You go big with the veterans, but you build around the guy that you're for sure of. And that's what the Saints could do two or three years down the road now if they're in love with one of these guys. I don't know who that guy would be. Um, trends tend to go Malik Willis at this point. But, you know, Kenny Pickett's also uh, continuing to game steam. Not top ten type talk. But if you're talking first quarterback off the board, it's one of those two guys. Yeah, and you go get him. Uh, you go get him. Especially if you think the competition's in your division. In your you division, have you have to package your, your 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 draft picks around getting ahead of those those top talents and top top teams that are in contention of actually drafting them. Paul, what is up with the the news and rumor mill involving AJ Brown uh, and and the trade discussion there? Because it is not. It's not, every, it's, up. it's not letting up, and it's not every day that you have uh, respected columnists in New York that continue to not just mention this, but double down in mentioning A.J. Brown's name for the Jets in trade talk with the Titans. Well, I, I mean, he, it, it's, it's simple where it starts. I mean, I think you look at what just happened with Tyreek Hill and with Devontae Adams and where they were contractually. And you say, all right, who's a year away from that situation where they're going to be really expensive and a team may be cap-strapped in a way that they can't afford them? The Jets really want a big-time receiver. Who does it make sense for them to go after and chase? Well, there are three guys, Debo Samuel, um, D.K. Metcalf, and A.J. Brown. D.K. Metcalf is probably the most gettable because Seattle – has stripped itself down, yep. though. And the thing that you've talked about, if you're looking at the uh, kind of uh, levers, Seattle doesn't no longer has the expensive quarterback, so they could, could technically afford the expensive receiver to put with the inexpensive quarterback and yeah. say, well, you're not that good and you're not that expensive, but you could throw to these terrific receivers in DK Metcalf and and lock it. But uh, So I think the conclusion there from Rick Semenian, and maybe he's got somebody in the Jets telling him this, hey, we really want to find a veteran receiver, and these are the three guys we would try to target, um, is A.J. Brown. You look at the Titans cap and you say, well, it might be hard. Look, the Titans have taken forever to find themselves a premier wide receiver in A.J. Brown. I don't think for a second that they would consider this, even with the 10th pick. You know, they could get maybe the 10th pick and something in the 60s for A.J. Brown. wouldn't make much sense. The Titans need to find themselves a second premier receiver in the, this draft, I think, 
to go with A.J. Brown and Robert Woods, who's not necessarily a long-term solution. Um, but a lot of people giving this a, a lot of air. It doesn't make sense to me that the Titans would do it. It makes perfect sense to me that the Jets would want to do it. So it's getting air and wind from that side. It's not getting tamped down properly from this side. Here's my attempt to tamp it down, our attempt to tamp it down. Well, it depends they've on the offer. A, they've got a star. Yeah, I mean, if you I'm blow I'm not attempting to tamp anything down. Off. I'll tell you why. Are they giving Miami picks away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so. But if it's for 10 and 60-something, I don't think the Titans are a team that needs uh, to have a young wide receiving core. They're going to have a young quarterback next year. I presume this is it for Ryan Tannehill. You're drafting a quarterback next year. You need a stud-wide receiver. Derrick Henry's closer to the end than he's ever been, and uh, it's, a, it's a league of weapons. You pay your one big weapon. You draft your next weapon. Robert Woods is reasonably expensive, and you go forward with mm-hmm. that to me. The only concern I have about A.J. Brown is that he's gotten dinged up a little bit more than you'd like. He knows that. I think he's a guy that will find a way to get healthy. He's played hurt, too. Two years ago, he had a tremendous season, despite the fact that he had two bad knees and had surgery quickly after the year. Well, it's not, it's not getting tamped down also. You can say it's just the one side, but A.J. Brown continues to tweet. And I don't know if this is a What's troll job saying? or this is legit concern. But A.J. Brown says, it's out of my hands. God, I trust you. And then he tweets out, this is yesterday amidst you know, various reports, tired of all this just like y'all. Now, that could be nothing. That could be him just putting that out there to have fun with people. I don't know. Well, the Titans have repeatedly said, we intend for him, uh, not intend, and I know people have said these things and gone back on him, but every indication from John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, who both talked about him at the owners' meetings where I were last week, is that this isn't from them. The, the only thing behind well, the scenes that would, that would get this going to me is if, if behind the scenes, uh, which is the player's prerogative here, if A.J. Brown says, I'm pay me or I'm sitting out. I'm, I'm holding out until you pay me. Because he is a number one bona fide wide receiver in the NFL. Period. And see, this is why I, I, I'm giving it 15, 20% breath. I'm giving it a little bit of air. Because why is A.J. Brown... Granted, he's tweeted some things and gone after people and done some things that don't come across as the smartest move on social media. So this is—I don't know that this is—I don't emotion. know that this is chess when checkers could be played from AJ Brown either. But AJ Brown putting these things out—you know—it's—it's—I'm tired of this, just like you guys. It's out of my hands. This could also be the tweets of a guy trying to get paid now, not getting the contract extension he wants, and. For all we know, it's the Titans who are always going to listen to offers, you know, regardless well, what's going on, to see if there's something that's just crazy good for them out there, if they're at an impasse. I mean, again, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it makes much sense for the Titans. The Titans certainly say they want A.J. Brown, should want A.J. Brown. But I'm not going to say it's absolutely not going to happen because of these, these factors. It's too early for impasse. This kind of extension happens in July or August. So right. that's all I'll say about the timing. I Nobody can that. throw up their hands about the timing because the way the order works, if a guy gets extended a year early, which the Titans are pretty good about doing, by the way, with their staple anchor guys, it happens July and August. Yeah, but I, in I, the I hierarchy think, of that, it's Simmons first. Yeah. Well, it's not Simmons first because Simmons has a fifth-year option. So it, Simmons is taken care of for 2023. Look, I think AJ players, Brown is not. I think players, a lot of them, are by nature emotional beings, yes. especially top athletes. So 
what we see as, well, that makes no sense. We're not into some desperate window where something needs to be worked out. I mean, A.J. Brown could see it as, how dare you not give me what I want when I'm asking for this? This is reasonable. I want to be here. You should want me. And then the desperation starts right then. Again, it's an emotional response if that's the case. But I don't know. I'm not in his head. I'm only going by reports that are out there on one side right now and what A.J. Brown continues to post on social media. Well, let, let's also look at the players. So so the, the, the report that, that I think is just missing the boat and not real, realizing the details is mentioning the, the teams that are up against the cap situation right now. And, yes, the Titans are amongst the worst teams in, in available cap dollars right now. Where they missed the boat is a year from now. you're not going to trade A.J. Brown now because of a cap situation to clear up cap money. You would do that moving forward with Taylor Lewan, with Derrick Henry, with Bud Dupree, with Robert Woods, and others before you even get to A.J. Brown in a trade destination of doing it for the sake of the cap. The only reason you would trade A.J. Brown is you're going to treat him the same way the Chiefs treated Tyreek Hill and the same way the Green Bay Packers just treated Devontae Adams, where you're getting, you're getting a mother load of picks in return. And in exchange, the player is happy because he's getting a mother load in the bank account and a guaranteed bonus on top of everything else that's coming his way. A.J. is going to get paid. And he's already established himself as a top 10 wideout in the entire NFL, period. So if he's coming to the table saying this, and you're looking at it as you're up against the cap, and maybe you're not planning on paying top dollar to a wideout when you feel like you can go and establish those guys in the draft. I'm not saying that that's their mentality. But the other teams with top talent at wide receiver have chosen to go the quarterback path instead of the wide receiver path. The Titans are a bit different, though, because they've got $30 million dedicated to Tannehill for at least one more year. And then after that, they can part ways and decide which way to go at the quarterback position and still be able to pay A.J. Brown top dollar. He fits too many of the categories that they preach, and they reward their own whenever those guys check off those boxes. They're entering an interesting scenario, though, where in order to pay top dollar to Simmons and in order to pay top dollar to A.J. Brown, Paul, they're not going to pay top dollar at quarterback. Right. They're going to have a rookie quarterback. Right. He could be drafted this year. I think he's going to be drafted next year. Ryan Tannehill, when they cut him, will cost 18.8 dead, but he'll save them 17.8. Right. So the cap situation next year is not as dire as it is now. The reason it's dire this year is primarily because of Ryan Tannehill's ridiculous number. That ridiculous number isn't ridiculous next year. And so those things you've, you've been talking very eloquently about, the, the levers – with the quarterback and the wide receiver. Well, the quarterback lever goes down next year. So yes. the wide receiver number can go up. Unless, unless they Tannehill for- pops the bubble, which is the playoff conundrum that he's had. Unless he becomes the Super Bowl winning Ryan Tannehill. It's which one changes more year. everything. Right. It's one that more changes year. everything. Because also, it, but, there could but, be a Tom Brady to Tennessee scenario but if next he, year. Maybe. But if he doesn't pop that bubble, it's the same storyline a year from now with Ryan Tannehill losing in the playoffs. And you can't do it. Three years in a row. Especially with the cap. Well, they will have done it three years in a row. The cap savings that you can have. Fourth year in a row. Um, All all this to say, I wouldn't trade A.J. Brown. Uh, You're just 
to me, not worth it. But if you start to look ahead at the money that these top wide receivers are getting, at some and, and, and it's not just about talent here. Look at Christian Kirk in Jacksonville compared to the top wide receivers in the league and what he's getting paid. You have to pay your dude if you're keeping him. And with that in mind, A.J. Brown's got to be looking at these contracts going, I'm getting, like, if yeah, not the newest, the highest paid player, non-quarterback, top, I am getting top, top, top three. I mean, in terms of production and what you mean to the offense, he's that guy. Here's the thing. If the Titans were going to go this direction, never mind what's happened around the league. You had to foresee it yourself. And you know what you had to do? You had to draft a damn receiver last year earlier than Des Fitzpatrick well, in the fourth round to be ready to replace him now. But they don't have that guy you in their also, roster. You also have to trade him back whenever Vegas was looking for a guy and when the Dolphins were looking for a guy. That's when to the market – that's when you're getting the biggest return. Well, he's not as good as Devontae Adams, and he's no, not good no. as Tyreek Hill. I agree. So, understandably – those teams I, I, went and agreed. got the best guys. He would have been next. But we didn't hear any Who's of that. Who's the third team looking? The we Jets. We didn't hear apparently. any of that talk whenever that was going on. The right. Jets were involved with Jets Hill, but we didn't hear Brown's name involved until after these two trades happened. Right. And the Jets are next. Titans had to stick with what they've got. Well, especially with the investment of Robert Woods. Um, man, I just. Uh, the, they need st- another one. Regardless of how you view them in the AFC, they're in the mix because they should win their division. Which means they're hosting playoff games. And if you buy into the fact that that matters in the postseason, and I do, regardless of how they're built, if they're healthy, they can compete. We've seen that in the AFC during the regular season. We've seen that in 2019. We should have seen that the last two years and did not. But with that in mind, they have to be viewing this as the window remains open. open. As bleak as everyone on the outside wants to preach and you know uh, burn us down now, the, the, the window remains open. And, oh, by the way, they're wanting to get the public on their side with For tax stadium. dollars coming into a stadium. You Who don't are the trade three away most marketing stud- players you on don't this trade team? away your talent for that. And that's the other thing where that's uh, exactly the right. papers are missing. Who the are the three it's, most marketable marketed, players on this team? It's not their He's quarterback. He's one of them. Him, Henry, who else? I don't know who third is. Maybe it's Bud Big Dupree. Bayard. It's Big Jeff. Bayard or Big Jeff, yeah. Yep. He's one of them, unquestionably. But no doubt. You're right in that the window is still open. open. It's absolutely Because open. you just look at this team coming back in the roster and see the team that was the number one seed in the AFC a year right. ago that won the division and think, well, this team's not any worse that's coming back, so they should be right there in the mix again. It's just having a quarterback that doesn't screw it all up for you. And we don't know if that's the case. And let the defense we go out. We kind of know. We let, know so well, far. But. Let the defense go out and sack the next opponent nine times. You should win that game if Tannehill doesn't and, screw it up. Well, you also need a quarterback that when they don't sack the opponent nine times, right. that can go out and make enough plays to win the game. And for th- this leads us into a, a much broader discussion on the league and perception here. Which you can happen? trade away Tyreek Hill and feel like the Chiefs are going to be just fine because, because of Patrick of Mahomes. And because of the style of offense. You can't and, and do that here. You're not doing that, trading away A.J. Brown and then selling the fact that, that you're still in the That puts more on Tannehill instead right. of less. You need less on Tannehill. Their whole theme is surround him with greatness. You right. trade A.J. Brown, you're not surrounding him with greatness. You're taking away his greatness. Yeah, the only way he's being moved is if A.J. Brown wants to be moved and he's not re-signing he forces here. the issue. Period. Like, and then that's, that's his ultimatum, which I don't have, see happening. And they still have two years of control. He's under contract this year. They could tag him next year. 
Absolutely. He doesn't have leverage for two years. Absolutely. Hit us up on Twitter with your with your take at Outkick360. You can join chat in the chat uh, as well. And uh, Chat right. in the chat. What did I say? Chat it's, in it's the chat. It's hard to say. Chat it's hard in the chat. A couple times. Chat, chat with chat. Chat, chat, chat in chat. the chat. I would say it the same way. If I had chat with Chad. Chad in the chat and chat with Chad <laughs> are very difficult to you say. You know what? You can chit-chat with Chad in the chat chit right chat now. Chit-chat with Chad in the chat. I'll be there. I'm Chad. Our picks on tonight's championship game, details on why we're playing this on FanDuel the way we are, and who we think ultimately wins the national title tonight. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Crew's all here. We are out in the beer garden. With 6th and Peabody. It's our location. And we're back. Paul, where is 6th and Peabody located? It's a Peabody and 6th. That's right. It's that simple. It's so easy to find. With Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, both made here on site. They have two new seasonal beers that are on tap and available for purchase. They have the Pilsner, which comes in the orange can, the Yeehaw P- Pilsner, along with the Heffy, which, Paul, you tried. I had mine. I enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, both uh, hit the spot for the summer, spring-summer season. Can I you can grab uh, some tonight while you watch the national championship no. here? May I paint an audible picture for everyone out there if you're listening? And for those that can see, you can see behind us out here. Yep. This place always surprises everyone we invite out here because they have one thing in their mind of what they think they're going to see and experience, and they get here and it's always far bigger and better. And that is what we have behind us right now. We have a young girl out here frolicking on this turf field. <laughs> we have familiar? an outdoor bar. We have a nice breeze going. We have a business gentleman in a full suit walking around on a cell phone. We have a family from New Jersey. We have people from what I guess is Ohio, just based on their wardrobe. We have people over here playing drinking games. We've got ping pong. We've got basketball. We've got giant Jenga. We've got everything for everyone here at Six It is Chad's Funhouse here. We've got Daddy's Dogs. It is, it is an adult funhouse is what it is. <laughs> but yet the kids can enjoy it too because they're two toddlers – on beanbags right now behind us. That's how great this place is. We even is. have a carny here that'll guess your weight when you come. It out. always over delivers. We have whatever you need. We're guess like Stefan uh, now on SNL with yeah. everything. We're trying to get a guess your age guy. We uh, <laughs> got a someone here that does that thing where you go into a closet. <laughs> no, uh, it's it's great. I'm telling you, the whole setup that one. is terrific. Um, the, and the indoor TV and outdoor TV, two of the biggest in Nashville. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, time for our championship preview between Carolina and Kansas. And, guys, I'll kick things off with my pick tonight. I'm taking the points in this, just like I took the points in Carolina and Duke. I look at the path of what North Carolina has done as the eight seed, and I know that the, the joke is, oh, look at this Cinderella story with three McDonald's All-Americans as an eight seed making their way to the Final Four. But the physical nature that Carolina plays with translates – to these big games. Rebounds, uh, offensive boards as well, and the way they've been able to step up and make big shots, maybe not throughout the entire matchup, half to half, 
But what they do is they have guys like Caleb Love who step up in the big moments with big shots. Free throws, threes, step back jumpers, whatever it might be. They come up with big buckets. I'm riding that again. I'm taking the points and not the money line because I think Kansas is that good. I, I will go ahead and say I would also take the under. Over the last several national championship games, uh, the under is 9-3 and three in the last 12 national title games. I would take the under in this matchup considering all the points we had on Saturday. I would play the under, and I'm taking the points in what should be a tight title game because Carolina keeps it that way. I, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm also, this is part of me rooting for a tight championship matchup, just like we saw between Duke and Carolina in the Final Four. What I don't want is to, for this game to be all she wrote at halftime. And for that, you're taking the points and you're rooting with me. You're taking the Tar Heels. Chad? So maybe this is too much of a, a bounce back from me picking Duke to cover the four and a half against North Carolina. But I think North Carolina is just better right now than Kansas. And I love this Kansas team. But the way North Carolina is playing, and Caleb Love specifically, Caleb Love is the best guard in this game. And I love Ochai Agbaji for Kansas. He's the best shooter from the outside in this game. I think Caleb Love is the best guard in this game. I think McCormick is great down low for Kansas. I think if Armando Baycott is at all healthy, it's a really good matchup for North Carolina also. I think that he can draw even with McCormick in this game. To me, the X factor is Brady Manick. Brady Manick, great shooter, savvy offensive player, not a great defender. And can Kansas find him and work that mismatch the same way Duke did in stretches with Ben Caro in the last game? If they can do that effectively, I like Kansas's chances, but given the factors I just laid out, given this run North Carolina is on, and given something that Herb Brooks told the U.S. men's team after they upset Russia in the Miracle on Ice, that if you don't win the next one, you'll take it to your bleeping graves. Your bleeping graves. That's the speech tonight from Hubert Davis. Means nothing on Saturday night if you don't finish it off and win a national title. Now, it'll still mean something to all of us, especially Duke and North Carolina fans, but... I think that mentality carries over in this game. I'm not just taking the points, Hutton. I'm taking North Carolina on the money line. I think the Tar Heels get it done and win the national title. I'm going to be the contrarian here. Uh, I've underestimated Kansas throughout the tournament, and uh, I, I think they're going to get it done tonight. Faster guards who are going to dictate things here. Um, Agbaji stays hot. Remy Martin gets hot. Um, I really think it's hard to underestimate McCormick after what he just did. And I think the two North Carolina factors, I'm going to give significant weight. Um, Baycott's ankle, I think, is a problem, particularly if he's in and out of the game with any kind of foul trouble, which he could wind up in. The foul trouble could go either way with McCormick or with Baycott. Uh, or it could go neither way. It could be, could be a non-factor. But I think that ankle's going to be uh, an issue. For how bad it looked at the moment it happened, he did a good job fighting through it and everything. Then he was on the bench quickly after the fifth foul. I, I think that's a factor for him tonight. And I think, you know, I'm not one to emphasize these are just kids. Most of the time I go against that. But here I'm going with that. These are kids who just had the most emotional win you could imagine, knocking out the arch rival in the Final Four semifinal. 
ending the coaching career of a legendary guy. I think that's going to be a tough bounce back. Kansas has been pretty much ignored through this whole thing because of that storyline. I think they come out red hot tonight and that North Carolina has a tough time matching it, at least in stretches, and that that's advantage Kansas. Uh, I'm going Kansas with the given the four. Paul goes minus four. I'm taking the four. Chad says money line for North Carolina. You can weigh in as well at OutKick360. Um, we'll, we'll tell you how you can join us on FanDuel in just a moment. I, I will say I think Kansas has been a bit overlooked, even as a one seed in this tournament. It's really weird. Well, I think it's due in large part to who they faced and when they faced them. So, you know, they beat a Providence team that had played well throughout the, the main points of the season and was one of the, the fan favorites going into the, the bracket challenges, right? You were picking Providence to make a Sweet 16-type type run. Um, so they get past Providence. To get to the Final Four, they had to beat Miami, which, I mean, we saw what happened in that second half. A lot of this credit goes to Kansas. I'm not downplaying. I'm just explaining why we've overlooked them a bit. Uh, they beat a 10 seed in Miami to get to the Final Four. And in between all that, with the other two victories you would point to, Creighton and Villanova were both down inside presence and down rebounding power, and that allowed Kansas to play more of their style. I, I think Carolina brings a factor that they haven't had to face in this tournament fair. on the boards. And I, as long as – and I'm with you, Paul, on the emotional drain that Saturday could be. Like, I, I hope we're not here tomorrow discussing this game with Brandon Wright and saying, yeah, Saturday was – just the emotional drain, and they had to get back up, and they just were out of the chute. We're not ready for Kansas that brought the onslaught that they did to Villanova. I hope we're not talking about that because I think that is a real factor. But beyond that, I think Carolina matches up pretty well with them, Jeff. Yeah, and, and Kansas, you know, they, they blow out the 16 seed Texas Southern in the first game. You mentioned the two tests in the tournament were those middle two games, Creighton-Providence, seven-point win, five-point win, really two blowouts. And I'm, I'm putting Villanova in that category, too. They get up 10 nothing and never really were threatened in that game. Uh, pretty comfortable, not pretty, a comfortable win yeah. for Kansas in the Final Four. And we have been sleeping on Kansas throughout this tournament, and I like them. I love Remy Martin stepping up in that game when it got to six or seven points and saying, guys, we got to play at our pace. Let's pick it up. Let's go. Let's get the ball and run with it. And immediately you saw the, flips, the, the, the flip switch for Kansas. They start pushing it and played their game. I just really like both these teams. I, I just think what I've seen from Caleb Love, I, I know Agbaji's been great too. I think he's the difference in this game for North Carolina, and I think how North Carolina can utilize Brady Manick in this game is going to be key. I am concerned about Baycott's ankle. That, that would be my biggest, you know, mark it in red, whatever you want to do. I'm concerned about Baycott's ankle two days later and just how effective he's going to be against a great player in David McCormick. It's going to be fun to watch those two uh, battle underneath. I was really impressed with the way Kansas, never minding Villanova's size, Villanova, uh, even as an undersized team in that game, could have done better fronting him and preventing uh, passes that got him the ball in the paint so easily. North Carolina will do a better job of that, undoubtedly, but I don't doubt that Kansas can still find ways uh, to get him the ball, and that was one of the more refreshing half-court um, things I saw in this tournament. We talked about kind of stale half-court offenses. I thought 
Kansas in that game was really uh, did a great job in the half court of, of moving the ball around, getting the ball into the paint. FanDuel.com slash OK360. That's the site uh, to go visit if you want to sign up for FanDuel for tonight's matchup, and it's a great offer for first-time users. $5. You, you register with a new account. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Register with a new account. You then deposit your money, and you bet $5 on either Kansas or Carolina on, on the money line. And then by betting $5, you're getting $150 in bonus site credit guaranteed. This means if you win your bet, you're getting that back in cash value. If you lose your first bet, by the way, make this your first bet. If you lose your first bet with FanDuel, you're getting back $150 on a $5 bet in site credit for you to use on future matchups, on the Masters, on NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. You can save it in your account. It doesn't expire, so you could use it on college football futures, whatever you'd like to do. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is how to do it. $5, $150 instant bonus in site credit, fully guaranteed for new users. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's Masters Week, and the weather feels that way in Middle Tennessee. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody, our location with Yaw Beer. An old smoky moonshine. Had the, the Grammys last night. Claire had that on. Had that on in the background is what that means. So I saw a few of the winners. She said it was one of the best shows she's seen in years for the Grammys because all of her artists played and performed. I saw three things uh, just flipping around between shows I was watching. It was on the Grammys. So I would exit out of a show on my DVR and the Grammys would be on. I saw Chris Stapleton win, and he had a nice short speech, but – had a lot of meaning to it. I saw drunk Bruno Mars <laughs> okay. smoking a cigarette on stage after winning and stumbling off the stage. And then I go online and I see Justin Bieber wearing something that looks like it was inspired by Tom Hanks and Big. It was. Where he was uh, an oversized suit. It was unbelievably bad. All the bad. kids are doing that. It was unbelievably bad. That was my Oscars, ex- or my, my Oscars, my uh, Grammys, Grammys experience. experience. Well, the, the big winner, Batiste. Is, is he not Colbert's band leader? He w- he was. I don't watch Colbert, so I don't know. In the beginning, I know he was. Does he still do it? I don't know. Uh, if he does, I mean, uh, if he was. He it, I, he's a guy that plays the the little f- flute keyboard. And I, at the beginning of the Colbert, when I watched Colbert a little bit at the beginning to see what he's all about, he's just running around playing that flute. The, the recorder that, that Reed has mastered? No, no. It's, you know, an actual <laughs> keyboard, like a, a piano. <laughs> Not the recorder, but I know a what piano, you're yeah. like the Hooters played. Yeah. Remember the <laughs> yeah, Hooters? Yeah. They were big in the 80s. Yeah, that thing should have expired in the 80s. He's running around playing that thing. He looked like that little uh, caricature, what is it, Pan or whatever, the, I don't know, Greek god, whatever. I'm out on that. Well, one one cool thing I saw at the Grammys last night, they had a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, tour people, uh, a roadie, a, a road manager, a tech, different people you'd never see that are behind the scenes with these artists that introduced them. So every time they had a performance, it would be someone on stage normally not getting the spotlight 
introducing the artist. If you're running around with an instrument, it should be a guitar. That's my rule. Yeah. Uh, Unless you're Brandy Carlisle, who can play multiple. Then you play multiple all in one set, which is what she did last she's, night. She's incredibly talented. I would have watched her. So we I've are, heard of her. We're, yeah. we're eight days removed from the Will Smith-Chris Rock slap, right? It feels like two years. <laughs> it does it not? It does. I was like, it's been eight days. I feel like this I thing happened. I feel like happened, that's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame I, already. I feel like this thing happened in 2014 yeah. at this point. Um, so now we've gone, we've tipped the scales to where nothing happened and something should have happened from the Academy. To, to now too to much way is too much happening over a slap. <laughs> like we've gone the full gamut over eight days. So what's the latest? I'm reading today that now Will Smith is having all of his projects put on hold. His future projects. They're stopping it. Bad Boys 4. Who doesn't love Bad Boys? No, Bad Boys 4 should be made. I want to see made. Bad Boys <laughs> That's 4. That's good. No, Jerry Bruckheimer has stopped. He's already read 40 pages of the script, and they've stopped any talk of it. There's a I Netflix a movie that he's doing <laughs> called Fast and Loose that looks awesome. Look, Will Smith does not need to be canceled over the slap. Like, Will Smith should Agreed. have been dealt with there. Should the have been canceled that night. The reaction from the audience should have been, "My, this guy's an idiot and over the top. And he should have been escorted out and not allowed to give his speech. Yeah, that's why you slap where he instead of punch. Himself. That's why you slap instead of punch he, in the moment. He was given a chance to blindly defend himself in his emotional speech that night. That should have never happened. But now that we're done with that, he's resigned now from the, the academy. Correct. And all. What does that even yeah. mean being in the? Academy? And now future projects are put on hold. Give me a break. Now we've gone too far with a slap. Yeah, react in the moment. It, it's, I would have been fine it's, to it's react too in much. the moment. Um, it's too much. Your favorites. For Augusta National, gentlemen, favorites to win the Masters, and I'm getting this from FanDuel. So going into it, here's who Vegas thinks is going to win at Augusta. John Rahm at 10-1. to 1. Justin Thomas, who's playing the practice round right now at Tiger, at 14-1. to 1. And Cameron Smith at 14-1. to 1. Those are your three Cameron favorites. Cameron Smith, As the week begins, those are your three favorites. For the Masters. John Rahm, Cameron Smith, who was the third? And uh, Justin, Justin Thomas. Thomas. Got to go American on that one. It's hard for Justin you to. Thomas. Hey, but you guys back, know, Phil? I, Kern. I, I've been to Spain, and I do love the Spanish. Phil's out. So, are you going to bet on him anyway? No, yeah, probably You said you're going to bet on him every year. What's the Saudi Arabian tournament this weekend? <laughs> I'll bet on him on that one. What are they doing in Riyadh instead of Augusta? <laughs> They're Riyadh watching the Masters. Open, yeah. They're, they're probably about, traveling here to attend. <laughs> Paul, I was talking to my buddy uh, Harry from church. Who Harry you guys from church, know, I like him. Who works for KPMG, the logo you hate. Oh, it's the worst and logo. We talked about Phil Mickelson yesterday at church, the, uh, and he said, man, my, my guys just dropped him quick. <laughs> when that all came out and we saw it, it's like, well, we're done with you now. No more sponsorship. Bye-bye. Well, I'm, here's hoping Tiger plays, e- even if he doesn't. Uh, this is just one of those tournaments that always ends up can't miss over the weekend. I mean, uh, Sunday at Augusta is unlike anything. J- Chad was there for the monumental moment where Tiger won most recently. Was it 2019? 2019. Yeah, 2019 when, when Tiger won the green jacket. Um, he was there for that Sunday. Um, so I, I can only imagine what that's like. I've only been for practice rounds. I'll but even, th- even those, year, were, even those are just phenomenal yeah. moments. It, it's the best. And you're right, there's not going to be any shortage of stories, even if Tiger doesn't make the cut or can't go or whatever. I want Tiger to be around, but uh, it's, always, it's always something at the Masters. It's, we'll it's great to, television. Uh, we'll have to fire up FanDuel and do some uh, top 40, top 20, 
I like playing with that. Uh, I like playing with that a great deal. Um, here's hoping for a great national championship tonight. Paul watched one last night with South Carolina beating UConn. Gino Ariema actually loses a national title game. He's now 11 and one. Actually, a really good national game. Championship 11 and games. one. He said that you know every uh, those other 11 times he said everybody was expecting us to win. We came here with that expectation. It wasn't the case this time around. South Carolina was a lot better than UConn last night. I was surprised UConn was 8-9 down for a lot of the game because they didn't get an easy shot the entire night. South Carolina was really good. You know, give credit to uh, South Carolina on Don't this stay. in this front. I'm not pretending I watched the game. But I will say, you know, every year the knock on the women's tournament is you can go ahead and pencil in who's going to be in the Final Four. South Carolina and their women's program they have Built. made themselves a part of that conversation in the, in the era where it was very difficult to work your way into that conversation. They're not just in the conversation. They are the conversation now in women's hoops. Um, that should give some momentum to other programs that hope to crack that group of consistent programs in there women's There still basketball. was some ridiculosity in the first round of that tournament when Howard well, scored four yeah, points but, in the first oh, half. But this is the year not to complain about that. There were a lot of one and two seeds, three seeds that went down early. That you get, It wasn't just one versus two in every Elite Eight game like you've seen in the past in women's basketball. I think overall the parity's gotten much it's better. It's getting better. Which is, which is good. You still have the dominant teams, but I think overall parity's much better. Tonight, go Tar Heels. I'm taking them plus four. Chad's got the money line on the hills. Paul's taking minus four against Kansas. Either way, we're going to recap it with you tomorrow. Plus a great event happening in Nashville uh, that's going to support some local nonprofits uh, and a nonprofit with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We'll have special guests in studio with us at 6th and Peabody. We hope you'll join us for the title game tonight here at 6th and Peabody. Cheers. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.